0: Welcome to Creators Abroad. I'm Katerina, your nomad guide, living in Northern England, and this is another narrative journey where we take risks, find opportunities and spark our imagination. I create these episodes to help you in your creative journey and share tips to build a new life in a foreign country. And most importantly, how to make a living as a creator to do that, I've got another awesome guest with me today, Spanish language expert and founder of the Spanish course, Fernando Perez. Some of you might have seen a video I did on YouTube about how I suddenly learned Spanish. Well, guess what? The person who taught me most of it, and one of the most effective language teachers I've ever met, is Fernando. This goes all the way back to August 2018, when I was still teaching and spent two weeks in a tiny village in Northern Spain, learning Spanish. I discovered a Spain that I didn't know existed and which I will never forget. Fernando runs this immersive language course with his wife, Merce, who takes care of the bed and breakfast side of things, because you get to live in this beautiful mountain style house in Cantabria, nestled away from all the tourist traps. But this is not just about Spain and learning Spanish. Fernando spent a long time in the UK as well. This is about what we think we know about a country, sometimes thinking we'll never be able to work there or integrate well. Yet, the opposite is true. And vice versa, sometimes we believe we're destined to live somewhere and find ourselves isolated and misunderstood. This is going to be quite a journey, so let's get started. Welcome to the show, Fernando.
1: Hola, Katharina, how are you?
0: I was thinking, maybe we're going to speak a bit of Spanish, but then I'm like, oh, I haven't actually practiced in such a long time, so I'm not even we going to We could attempt. if you want to. <laughs> I was going to say, ¿qué tal?
1: <laughs> bien, muy bien.
0: <laughs> well, to give our listeners an idea of who you are, imagine there is a film soon to be released called The Spanish Course. Can you briefly introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer?
1: Oof, that's difficult, but, well, I would say that I'm a Spanish teacher. That's quite simple, but quite complicated as well. And uh, as you talk about the journey itself, it's also a life uh, journey that I started when I went to the university uh, for studying Spanish. And uh, it went through the UK and it stopped, as you said, in a little village in the north of Spain. Mm-hmm. So and was, yeah. that's where we are now.
0: <laughs> well, I'm really excited to learn more about all the, the past, like the UK journey and so forth that I don't or haven't heard before. And for listeners, just so you know, Fernando has a great sense of humor. So maybe we'll laugh a little bit during this. <laughs> Scene one, from the wonders of Cantabria to the University of Surrey. The best language training happens in the country where the language lives and breathes. And I think you'll agree with me, Fernando. Yeah, definitely. Yes, so that is why I originally signed up in 2018 for the Spanish course. I went to Santander, like a city I've never heard of. I had to like really (laughs) look on the map in Cantabria, a Northern Comunidad. I didn't even know Spain had comunidades. Yes. Um, And if there was anything that made a first impression on me, was that first bus ride so it went i it was through the bus countries bilbao i saw the Guggenheim; it's a big golden building and then the jaw-dropping beauty of my surroundings like the nature and then i met you at the bus station in santander from where we went to the ice in barrio cotillo and you and your wife run the spanish course there in your home but -hmm. before all of this started as you mentioned in your trailer you did live in the uk and of course before that University in Spain, childhood in Spain. So let's go all the way back to young Fernando. Where did you grow up and what did you originally think you were going to do with your life? Well,
1: I was uh, was born in Santander, obviously, but uh, when I was five, I went to Madrid to live in Madrid. So I grew up in Madrid, which is why I support Atletico de Madrid that (laughs) are about to win the league this weekend. Probably the most important thing In more than seven years.
0: (laughs) All right. I remember us talking Uh, about
1: this. Although although I'm really scared about it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, I grew up there and in Madrid, it was fantastic. Madrid is a very welcoming place to live. And uh, probably unlike other capitals like Paris or even London, it's probably a city that Everyone else in the rest of Spain, like Paris, well, you know that Paris, other French people don't like people from Paris and all that. It's probably the other way around in, in Spain. So Madrid is a very welcoming place to to be. And then I, well, I studied obviously Spanish, Spanish literature and linguistics. I always like uh, that. So I've been always focusing on, on the language. And the main problem was that when I finished my studies, the unemployment rate in Spain was huge. So I remember that the most important decision uh, for going to the UK, to live in the UK, was Falcon Crest. And probably you've never heard of it.
0: No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, what is Falcon Crest?
1: <laughs> well, Falcon Crest was a very famous uh, American like soap opera that was uh, on telly in Spain. Uh, remember that there was no internet, uh, there was no Netflix, no uh, HBO. So the only possibility was the four or five channels that were in... Uh, live and one of them every day they had uh, this TV series called Falcon Crest and one day I decided what on earth am I doing I'm wasting my time just lying on the couch doing nothing wasting my life and like that it was I'm watching this TV series that by the way was very bad (laughs) and and,
0: (laughs) So it's not recommended. No,
1: no, no, probably not recommended. And what I'm doing, I'm wasting my life. So I decided to go to the UK like that. And it was within weeks that I ended up in the the UK. Mm. Uh, Yes, because
0: back then there was no Brexit. It was fairly easy to just... Yeah, 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 it
1: was was fairly easy. Indeed, Mm -hmm. it was too easy because at the beginning, the first thing I, I did... When I arrived to the UK, well, the first thing was saying that I had wasted uh, all the years uh, learning English. (laughs) Because when I arrived to the UK, I remember I had to take a a train from Charing Cross and I couldn't understand a single word. Nothing. It's like if you were speaking in German or um, Chinese, uh, nothing at all. Well, at the end, I, you end up realizing that you, you understand later on. But when you start thinking that what that I have learned, what? And then in London, they say, what, what?
0: <laughs> yeah, the most basic words. Are just yeah, the most basic little... words
1: like, <laughs> can, I, can I have some water? It was, can I have some water? And then, <laughs> what? What's that? I couldn't understand anything. Nothing at all. Nothing of what I had learned in Spain. Nothing, as if I went in, in a new country uh, in China or something like that. I didn't understand anything. Oh, it was horrible.
0: <laughs> what was the first? <laughs> what was the first job that you did in in, the UK, uh, in England? Well, I, I, I,
1: I was teaching mainly teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started teaching. <laughs> that's that's another thing. I started teaching, doing private lessons. Oh yeah. But that's why I'm probably I know London better than cab drivers <laughs> because I had to travel. Uh-huh. I took my car, my Spanish car from Spain to London. I live really really close of the valley which is Charlton Athletic football mm-hmm. stadium. So, and that's why I support probably the, the worst football team in the UK. But, well, I support Charlton Athletic
0: <laughs> in so the fo- UK. So, football has been guiding definitely, you your entire life. Definitely,
1: yes, <laughs> definitely. You couldn't live without football. <laughs> but, well... So I was doing private lessons, but I was driving everywhere because Mm -hmm. it was impossible to do it with public transport. First of all, because of communications, public transport in London is fantastic if you want to go to the town center. But if you want to go from one side to another side of London, then there is no public transport. And on top of that, it was more like a lot cheaper uh, to drive than to use the public transport. Which uh, another thing that was quite strange uh, for me, yeah,
0: yeah, no it, it's true, it's very expensive here, it's still expensive it's yeah, like no <laughs> a train <laughs> journey is like almost like a flight, <laughs>
1: yes, that's why I couldn't understand it, yes yeah. it was well, really expensive,
0: yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of people who studied to be language teachers in the European countries who then moved to the u k quite a while back i I know a few people who did it. And it was what they did was the private lessons, but it did mean you had to like travel all over London to all your students. mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. I had to travel a lot. (laughs) Yes.
0: What What would you say you you were most excited about? And can you give us a little bit more familial context? Did you meet your wife at this stage? Something,
1: something that um, I don't know whether it is true or not, but it seems that is that the UK is losing, according to the news I'm reading. But it was quite welcoming. English people were really friendly. I made immediately friends. I still got the, those friends, uh, <laughs> Andy and Joan. Well, it was welcoming. That's probably the most... And now when you read on the newspapers that they are like detaining people for seven days, not allowing them... Them to, to it's it's like no nah, that's not the UK I I knew mm. that's the that's something that I, I don't know whether it's true or is a false perception from Spain because I haven't been for, oh, for how long like four years now because with the coronavirus and all the thing I haven't been in the UK for yeah three or four years mm. and I don't have the my own. Uh, impression of what's going on there but
0: yeah I can't speak for the south yeah I've but where I am nothing's changed really yeah, okay <laughs> it's the same I think it's the same
1: I must say that when I travel to the north but it was quite often hmm Yes, the the the, the people here are, were more welcoming than in London or in Guildford mm-hmm. or in the south. Yes, yeah, very, that is true. Different. But in that in those times, uh, London was also quite friendly and yeah. and welcoming.
0: Yeah, I think it just depends. It it all depends on where you are and whether you're in one of the busy train stations and or, or whether you're just like meeting people on a more casual basis. I think it's all about context sometimes. Yes. But London is definitely a place where. I mean, you also do have a very large cosmopolitan community there. So it's not Mm -hmm. just English people. So it's quite a mixed bag, but yes, here where it's very small, uh, quite like where you are in Spain. So it's a smaller community. It's definitely, you have that warmth and, or a more welcoming atmosphere, but you also have the suspicion when they realize that you're not actually from there. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's almost in every country. But anyway, so can you give us a little bit more context? Uh, did your wife travel with you at this stage? No. So you both... I, I, abort,
1: went, right? I went there first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now, well, I was there for the first time. I think it was in 96, again, football, because of the Euro 96 <laughs> that was in the okay. UK. So I was yeah. there. Then, when I don't remember exactly when Merce arrived, but it was like nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, uh, more or less, around that time. Okay. But I, I don't know exactly. But yes, she was there after after me, and she also worked for a, a Spanish company at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then she did other other jobs. Yes.
0: Okay. All right. How did she find it?
1: And- uh, well, for her it was more difficult because um, even though I didn't understand anything at the beginning, <laughs> I had learned some English and later on I started to <laughs> understand. But she, has, uh, she, didn't, she didn't learn English uh, at school. She learned French and uh, she had to start from zero, from scratch.
0: All
1: right. So- yes. So... Yeah.
0: Which was probably easier in the sense that she didn't have that pre- like preconceived idea of how the yeah, words were. That's
1: probably so, true.
0: So, so she learned water from Did the start. You see?
1: Water. Yeah. Water. <laughs> yeah that now, was,
0: yeah. on the, the whole, what was your initial impression of England? And can you, well, you've given us a little bit yes. of how the first month was like, but maybe just talk about your your overall impression. Well, and Whether you felt like, oh yes, I
1: want to go. Seriously, on the I, I felt I felt at home. I didn't <laughs> feel many differences, okay. except probably one, which is that for being fun people and uh, uh, enjoy life, English need alcohol, and we can do it without the alcohol. <laughs> That's the only difference. <laughs> That's the only difference. But in I, I never felt like. Alienated or uh, in, living in a different world or anything like this no no no, it was seriously I, I just integrated quite well it's what I told you I had friends uh, mm-hmm. indeed uh, andy the, the the one the one I told you he I, I I met him teaching him spanish he never he never learned uh, spanish <laughs>
0: Okay, this is not a reflection on you. Uh, No,
1: no. He never learned Spanish, but he told me that he was going to be in exchange my beer teacher. And I never learned beer either. (laughs) Because (laughs) I still prefer (laughs) the I still prefer the the typical Spanish caña to those warm beers that I can't stand.
0: (laughs) Okay, so beer has to be called. Yes, so this must is going to be, be a point. This is going to be a yeah, point. Yeah, oh, definitely.
1: Because- beer must be cold. <laughs> all right. So the main
0: difference between Spanish beer and English beer is the temperature.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, well,
1: then these these taste and all that, which is not bad. I don't dislike the taste of them, but please. F- Cold. It has to be cold, not that okay, warm yes. thing that ooh, <laughs> ah, is difficult to swallow.
0: <laughs> yeah, just the way you describe it now would make me like think ah. twice before I drink another like lukewarm.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Scene two. Okay. Shall I go? or? Yeah, shall definitely. <laughs> Expect delivers. Okay, so now you've arrived. You're giving private lessons, but you did eventually become a Spanish lecturer at the University of Surrey. So mm-hmm. my geography is not very great when it comes to any place, <laughs> um, okay. England included. So I have actually very little idea of where Surrey is. Can you perhaps... Um, well, it's,
1: south, it's southwest it's, of, uh, of London and Guildford, when I, when I started, it was um, like halfway between London and Portsmouth.
0: OK, right. So in south. between.
1: More or, yeah, south, yes. It was quite good. Yeah. Well, the thing is that I applied to different universities. Indeed, le- uh, just a minute before I had a, an online lesson, and we were talking about that, that I had to choose between the University of West Indies and the University of Surrey. Okay. <laughs> and, and my students said, uh, Oh come on, you should have gone to the West Indies <laughs> instead of So
0: moved again. I was thinking yeah, maybe you should <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe you should. I uh, know. Uh, the problem is that that the university was in Barbados. Mm-hmm. And it's such a small island. There's nothing spending uh, I was just, just thinking the idea island. of spending a year, a year in a tiny island but no, no, we going
0: not <laughs> to be... I'm gonna tell you a joke at the end, but we're gonna leave okay. it until the end. So yeah, okay. okay Barbados, I would have taken that maybe, <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's just because I
1: no yeah. way. Okay. So I chose Surrey, mm-hmm. and then is when we, well, the first the first year in in Surrey, we still live near Charlton, and I was an expert on the M25 jams, traffic jams, <laughs> 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 because I had to. Uh, I remember once, and then is when, then is when we decided that now we should buy a house in Guildford and get a house there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I for The lessons usually at the university started like at nine. So I, re- I usually left home about 6.30. I did the whole M25, then the A3 to get to Guildford. I remember... Once, it was a huge traffic jam. We had not moved a meter for an hour and a half. And I had to call the university about 8, 8.30. Uh, oh, hello, I'm Fernando. I'm still on the traffic jam. I don't think I will make the first lesson. Uh, it's not moving. At 9.30, I had to call. I will not make the second. I, <laughs> 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 And it was up to... Uh, 12, 30 that I had already finished the lessons I had uh, programmed, so I had to go back to to Charlton without being able to, to get to, I, I was there like for six hours, I could have been to Newcastle, near you <laughs> and I didn't move an inch, I was in, right. the, in the M25 for hours and hours and hours and hours <laughs> so, and then we decided to buy a a house in, in Guildford, yeah. And that was our first house in property because the other ones we were renting and we bought the house there and it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, having your own house because we were quite young at the time. It was like uh, stepping on the property ladder.
0: <laughs> as <Yeah. they> said. <laughs> How old were you at the stage?
1: Late 20s or the beginning of the 30s, I would say. Okay. That's a good question. I'm not very good at ages. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: what did you like about Surrey?
1: Yeah, about about 30s, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Early 30s, sorry. What I like about Surrey? Well, it was a change, definitely a change, because, um, (laughs) for example, the thing I like most is that I knew my... Police officer? Uh, there <laughs> okay. was a, yeah, there was like a, your local police officer. It, yeah. it was, I don't know whether he is still, no, I doubt it, but it was called John Carver. And we met him when I, we arrived and we talked to him, and it was our police officer, a figure that I had that. It was from, I don't know, from the 19th century or something like that, or early 20th century. Um, Also, the welcoming, uh, the neighbors um, were fantastic. Uh, They were quite old Mm -hmm. at that time, but um, they were very welcoming, great people, yes.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And I think, like, (laughs) I recently did the Life in the UK test and... One of the questions there, I got it wrong the first time round when I was doing the, the like the practice rounds. Was what do you do when somebody moves in next door? Uh-huh. <laughs> there's a there's a question like that, and it is you go and introduce yourself and ask how you can yeah. help them. Um, yes, so it's part do... of the culture.
1: Yeah. Yes, and the tea, the the first thing they is they brought us some tea. Yeah, I remember that they brought us some tea, and yes, it was fantastic.
0: Now, more on a, like a professional level, yeah. in terms of work, what were your responsibilities? What was life like at the university? And how did you manage to kind of progress or not progress? What, what were the obstacles?
1: Okay, we are talking about, I don't know, it was the year 2000, 2000 or 2001.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Remember that by then the internet was starting not, not not
0: what we know
1: now, <laughs> okay, nothing like what we know yeah. now, so uh, the most interesting thing, and I think, but I don't know, obviously, but one of the things they they signed me for was that um, I was researching in uh, computer assisted language learning and mainly on developing online courses. Mm-hmm. And when I went to the University of Surrey, they were interested in that. And they offered me to develop the language courses of the university. I loved it, and it was probably the most interesting part of the, of the job. But I also liked teaching, teaching in the university with uh, the students were very determined very motivated they wanted to do it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean unlike for example in schools and other things like that that sometimes is well you know
0: yeah i was gonna say (laughs) that that's what i did
1: (laughs) (laughs) more difficult
0: yeah no it's really fascinating when you talk about like the online courses that you had to develop because that's such a huge thing like it just boomed not perhaps at that stage yet but uh, subsequently, and especially now, it's just like, because obviously people are looking for easier, more accessible ways to learning language. Yeah. And then you get the language courses, but now the more innovative or the more, um, the more it, it it's almost like a private lesson, the better. Yes. So that's really fascinating. And I can, I can imagine that you must have enjoyed ah, fantastic.
1: that. fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Develop. It was, on top of that, it was creating. And creating mm-hmm. is always fascinating, at least yeah. for me. And I had to start the online courses from scratch and it was great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would love to do that now. (laughs) But anyway, so at this stage, you did actually realize that you, if you wanted to get like further in your career, and this is something you mentioned when we spoke um, Mm -hmm. way back, way when I I visited, um, that you would perhaps have to change university or company. That's um, it. And... After discussion with your wife, you made an unexpected decision yes. what did you decide well and-
1: uh, it's what you were talk- that's another cultural difference we between Spain and the u k uh, while in Spain it's quite easy to grow up professionally within <laughs> the institution you're working in in the u k is no you just keep changing either companies or institutions or whatever. Mm-hmm. The main problem with that is that if you work in a university, uh, and in Guilford, which is, in, as I told you, in the middle between Portsmouth and London, uh, if you change the, your job, it means that you have to sell your house, buy a new house, wherever you go. Merce, my wife, would have to find another uh, job. Um, so it meant moving and changed your life again once mm-hmm. again and at some point Merce told me and if we are going to do that why don't we go back to Spain yeah. and the idea just went fantastic well <laughs> in my brain and and we just came back to Spain like that it was a, a five seconds decision it took me it took me like five seconds to yeah, why not? That's a good idea. Yeah. So we came yeah. back to Spain.
0: <laughs> all right. And what were the immediate consequences? So just to put this a bit in context. So you were obviously you were at the university, you had the house. Think life was great. Yeah. In most respects. Yes. Now, I mean, what was the situation in Spain and you obviously moved from Madrid to England. Well,
1: the, the situation you... in Spain was much better in terms of employment and all that, but we had decided that if we were going to move, we were going to be self-employed and have our own company. Mm-hmm. Secondly, our families were really looking forward into that. As soon as we told them, it was a yes by them. They loved that. Instead of uh, staying in the UK, please come back now.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I kind of where were your or where were the two families based? Uh,
1: um well, uh, Merche's family is also from Santander.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I met her in, in Santander. And my family, I told you that he, they were from Santander, but they they had two houses, one in Madrid, one in Santander. But once my father retired, they went back to Santander. So everything was in Santander. Hmm. So at the beginning, we just went back. And we decided to do the, uh, to develop our own online courses, but we realized that, I think it was 2002 or 2003, by then, nobody wanted to do online courses. (laughs) Simple as that. How am I going to study online? No way. No, 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 no. So... (laughs) Mm, it was something that mm, it it shows you how life has changed in in, in just 20, less than 15 15 years. So our lives have changed that much. Uh, 15 years ago, nobody would want to do an online course. And now everyone looks for one. Yeah,
0: I know it's, like I mentioned already, it's huge. So
1: we were probably... Too early.
0: <laughs> I was going to say that you were like probably I I can't put the exact year. Text, Pioneers
1: it. or something like that's that.
0: That's it. How would you have known to just keep it like as a thing running alongside? Because obviously you had to you had to set up the business, you had to get things going, so you yeah. couldn't force people to take online courses.
1: <laughs> yeah, but nobody wanted so. Yeah. So we changed to. To what you did to uh, yeah. just people arriving to Spain and having the lesson with us, okay. and that's why we bought the house. We sold the at the beginning we were we were just renting the Guildford, the house in Guildford, and we had that money coming from the rent, obviously to pay the mortgage and to pay, but mainly to live out of that money mm-hmm. while we were developing the courses, but. Later on, we decided to do the normal courses, and we needed a house because we couldn't do it without a, without having a house. So yeah. we just uh, sold the the one in Guildford and bought well the one you, you know, here in IS.
0: Wonderful house.
1: Yeah, and we See? started accommodating the students. Well in our own house. And that's probably what I, I'll, at the moment, what I like most about our courses, that students become part of the family. They are another one, another family member. It's more familiar, it's in, that's why our courses are different and because you become part of the family.
0: Yes, so that's exactly what made it such a great experience. And that's why I went back a second time. (laughs) Yep. Scene three, online or face-to-face? Now you explained, so after setting up the online courses in the 2000s, you were too early and you eventually hit upon this other way of having an almost more effective and attractive Spanish learning course by turning your house, which is, I think that's one of the selling points, really. It's, it's this incredible, it's a traditional house. It's beautiful yes. and, it's, and it's really tucked away, away from all the tourist traps. Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember you calling it a, like a 70, 80s Casona Montañesa. Yeah. Yes, um, 70, 80s Casona yeah. Montañesa.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. So, and it's a BnB and b for students. So they get the dedicated, le- language lessons and they get a chance to explore like the breathtaking area and they integrate into a real Spanish family. So this is like really an experience you cannot get by just going online and having a course or even just having a one-on-one with a teacher online. So now can you perhaps walk us through the initial starting journey of the Spanish course um, in terms of What were the things that you had to get in place to start with the face-to-face lessons? And highlight a challenge, if you like.
1: Well, the most challenge was starting from scratch, Mm -hmm. uh, getting students. I remember that for us, it was celebrating having a student uh, now. And then at the beginning, we had like, I would say a dozen students uh, per year <laughs> that was mm. obviously not yeah. much
0: Okay, how have that grown?
1: Mm, mainly because of the internet once again mm. the internet was quite good also because of uh, I think you call it the word of mouth uh, people yeah. recommending the the, the, the the courses because obviously yes they were they were what you said, they were completely different to what you can expect of other uh, Spanish courses. Uh, the place, the family, the, it's, it's just different. It's another experience mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have in, uh, in other courses. Yes.
0: Yes. And then, um, so you obviously, at the beginning, it was, you didn't get that much intake. But then you grew through all of these different uh, avenues and you also have a collaboration. I think you've got a few collaborations now. Um, You had one definitely with the Department of Education, or that's how I found you. (laughs) Yes. Um, Which I think is a great way, especially for people who want to be language teachers, because you don't only teach like, okay, this is Spanish, but you also teach like just the way in which you teach is an example for Upcoming Spanish teachers yes. like myself at that stage, so I could use the same techniques, um, which was which were really good. What I wanted to point out or wanted to know was, uh, oh, collaborations. Who else did you collaborate with, and um, how did this help help you? Well,
1: we we have collaborated with different sort of institutions. First of all, uh, while being at the University of Surrey. I was, or I cre- I created, or I was one of the authors of a, a, an AS, an A2 a textbook. Mm-hmm. And that textbook provided me with certain, like, I was known among teachers. Uh, because I was one of the authors of the most used textbook. Mm-hmm. By then, obviously, not, not yeah. now. <laughs> and, well, it was that made me some or a few contacts with different schools different colleges and universities and i started collaborating to to many and the good thing is that they sent because well you know that our house is quite big mm-hmm. we started offering as well school groups uh, yeah. I remember so that. Yeah. yeah so we started with those schools and then uh, the, the students here and it was fantastic another fantastic experience for us mm-hmm. first of all the life you get into the house imagine a house full with 20 British students <laughs> I don't know if that sounds like such a good
0: thing to <laughs> me still, yeah yeah
1: it's very fine it's very fine at the beginning but yeah. seriously I loved it by the way British children British children are so polite if you compare to Spanish ones. Oh really? So, oh really, yes. <laughs> you they are very polite. Yeah. Excuse me sir. Could I? Of course you can go and have. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> uh, All
1: right. Yeah, yeah, no. It was it was fantastic. And the yeah, the yeah, yeah the, you felt the house so lively. <laughs> you, yes. Everyone running across the corridors. They were, on I know that many people would feel, "Oh no." no i I really felt uh, it was fantastic
0: yeah this is something that now comes back to me because i was i'm like (laughs) one of those people who are like is it okay if i do this or that? and the the really the wonderful thing about what you and Merche offered was it was very very relaxed so that and it's it's a great experience as well now of course things have changed drastically so imagine this so you've You've gone from basically not doing the online courses to doing the face-to-face lessons, getting all these, the school exchanges and so forth. And then the first thing, and I remember talking to you about this, that happens is Brexit. Yeah. And then the second thing that happens is, well, COVID-19. Yeah, 19, yeah. And that just like changed our world completely. So how have you adapted?
1: I seriously thought that because now I am 52. I seriously thought that oh my life is solved, it's just keeping with this teaching that I'm enjoying. It's yeah. great. It's fantastic. This is brilliant. And then Brexit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember Jesus talking about this. We were Christ, like, why? You were asking me, what are you going to do? And like, yeah. Well,
1: well, the the worst thing about Brexit at the beginning was the, the pound. The pound plummeted mm. and. Obviously, our courses uh, that I don't remember, but it was like they went from 400 pounds to 550 pounds because the the pound plummeted Mm. against the euro. So they were very expensive for British people to afford. So that was the worst thing at the beginning. And then, well, now it's it's just a nightmare to travel and...
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you, how did you specifically know that people can't travel off for the last year?
1: After that first impact of Brexit, Mm -hmm. well, things started to go again a bit more smoothly. Yeah. Because, well, the pound recovered and again... (laughs) COVID-19 and I have been in the well the truth is that I've been in for the last nearly a year and a half and I don't think this summit is going to prove a lot uh, without working not working much okay that's probably the worst thing yeah that you can't the, the worst thing is that you can't do anything it's not something that yeah. is your fault, or is that oh you you are a horrible teacher and yeah. people don't want to go. Uh, you are a, no no. Is that they just close borders and you can't do anything at all.
0: Yeah.
1: And when you have a problem and it's in your it's not in your hands to solve it, then yeah you get you become quite. Anxious or nervous about it and all that. It's quite bad in that mm. way. But, look, it's, it's what you have to do. You don't have any other option. Just wait and see.
0: Yes, I mean, it's already getting better. And then you did start with the online courses as well. Um,
1: yeah, I went back yes. to the online courses, but not, nothing much is... Mm, yeah. First of all, because we gave up the online courses, uh, we were not like competing, you could say. Mm-hmm. So we were out of the. What I mean, my online courses. I think that they are still okay and they are quite good. Yeah. And I have used them well with you, for example. I used them yeah. with the with the teachers with the teachers courses. But the problem is that I didn't use them just for competing with other uh, teachers or with other institutions, mm-hmm. big schools that they have the money to invest in advertising, the money to... Well, they ha- they've, I never wanted to compete in that way because I just wanted to do a personal business without signing people or anything like that.
0: Yeah, no, that makes S-
1: sense. So... I'm not, well, you know that we are not (laughs) any big institution or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So the online courses were just marginal, and they are marginal. Mm -hmm. But what else can you do? Nothing? Just uh, wait and see what happens?
0: I think for a lot of people... I mean, if you're not in like a digital space and that's not your main thing, then it is really just a question of waiting. I mean, it was the same for hospitality, restaurants, hotels. It's all just a a waiting game. But let's just hope for the best. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, well, you see, uh, I'm quite happy with what we have. Unfortunately, we had savings and all that. So we have been living on savings and uh, waiting that now it becomes more and more Mm. and more and more. But I think that this summer is also lost. Uh, Yeah, because um, it's
0: only now starting to
1: transition. So it will be like... Mm. In a way, it's two years without doing nothing, doing anything, which is... (laughs) is not bad. Not bad. It's a a break. It's a early break. Yeah, two forced holiday years.
0: (laughs) Well often i am sure there are so there are many people out there who still want to learn a new language and still have the dream of moving somewhere and working somewhere else like myself for example i've mm-hmm. th- thought so many times of like going to south america or even spain mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but sometimes there is that barrier the language barrier that we face and then we're like mm. but we can't so we need a relatively good level of a language before we can perhaps work there or live there yeah. now From your perspective as a language expert, and this ties in maybe now to your courses, whether it's the online courses or later on, uh, your face-to-face courses, what is the best way to learn a new language? That's the easier side of the question. And the harder side, what is the key in mastering Spanish? (laughs)
1: Well, the best way of learning is definitely the best that suits you. What do I mean with this? Uh, In the same way that there are different ways of teaching, there are different ways of learning. I found uh, many many students that they learn one way, more focusing on the structure and the grammar and all that. Some others, no, they just want to have loads of mistakes and be corrected. Some others, they don't even care about being corrected. Well. Which is the best way that suits you? That's my probably. I know that is <laughs> that this is answering a question with another question, <laughs> but yes, I would say that that's probably the best way of being um, learning. Every single person learn, learns one way or another way, and I think that the teacher has to be that person who helps the student to learn that means that you have to be a you have to have loads of what would i say empathy i don't know whether this is the right word but you need to you really need to know what the student wants or needs that sometimes is different
0: mm-hmm. sometimes
1: they want to do one thing and you have to tell them no you need to do this one (laughs) but most most times uh what they want and what they need is the same okay and you need to focus on that that's probably what i would say
0: so in to your to i almost wanted to say to your question to like an extension of my question or link to your answer yes (laughs) would be (laughs) um basically in order to learn a language effectively it is to have a teacher in the first place so if you just go at it by yourself I mean well, it's possible uh, 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 but having somebody guide
1: uh, that's definitely very important yeah I would, okay well I've tried to uh, as an experience because I didn't know what du- Duolingo was Yeah. I used um, I, I, I tried to learn uh, something called Swedish <laughs>
0: was this it
1: was now during the year, uh, two years <laughs> and, and that was a, a complete disaster because okay. you don't have anything to solve the questions mm-hmm. you you don't know what you're doing is correct or not or you just need to stick to this duolingo what they say well i i think that a teacher is important, yes. Yeah,
0: definitely. I agree because even if you go, if you have a textbook or you use Duolingo or you just use a podcast like I did for a long, well, like I did while I learned Spanish, just like before I obviously went to the, the Spanish courses, it's great for additional practice, but it as the key thing. That's
1: true. It's yep. never going
0: to really teach you the language to yes. talk, to speak it and to understand it. So. I have got one more question for you, and that is like the bonus question. So this is just to know, because a lot of people, I think when they do move countries, they always think, if I go back to where I come from, am I going to be able to then integrate there? Am I going to be welcomed back? And so forth. So from your point of view, did you struggle to reintegrate into Spain? I think I know the answer to this already. In in Spain or... or in Spain when you went back no. so from and did it come as a relief did it kind of feel to you like okay well now i'm home again or was it just kind of like i'm back
1: <laughs> well i felt home in both countries i told you i yeah. think that i felt welcomed in anywhere yeah most places yeah. so okay. no i wasn't it wasn't very difficult obviously and when i came back I was with all my family, my friends and all that. So Mm -hmm. obviously it was very easy to integrate uh, Mm -hmm. um, here. Um, And in the UK, I think as well, I integrate it quite easily. On top of that, I'm that kind of person. So think that, for example, uh, what we do, what we do is opening our house to strange people.
0: Yeah. Oh. We have
1: strange people who come to our house and we like don't me. know anything about them. For example, uh, tomorrow, we well, they have already been here. But the, on Saturday, I think that I've got a, a student uh, mm-hmm. who comes here. I don't know anything about her. I've, uh, and they, she's a completely stranger that comes into our Our house, unfortunately, up to Saturday, (laughs) up to Saturday, all of the students we had were fantastic and great and we loved them all. And, well, uh, except one called Katarina, everything was uh, perfect. (laughs) Of
0: course. I'm I'm the culprit
1: as well. So, yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, I... Thank you so much for joining me today, Fernando, even though I... Well, there you go. That's the joke. I knew it. That was going to be a joke. And I've got one. I've got one for you just now. But before I share that and our Roundup quickfire meaning of life, where can people find out more about the Spanish course and what you have to offer? So now they're like, I want to do this. Where can they find you?
1: Well, the best way is in our website, which mm-hmm. is very easy because it's thespanishcourse.com. Okay, As Great. simple as that. The are Spanish you online?
0: I mean, are you <laughs> on, on any social media platforms or is that the best way to get in touch?
1: I have social media and all that, but I don't use it much because uh, I can't do... Uh, that's, that's another thing of being uh, self-employed. You can't do everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, the best <laughs> thing is, is just the website and, and email. Uh, the email is as, as well very simple. It's fernando at the Spanish course.com. So, well,
0: will, I'll put all of your details in the show notes for listeners in case they're interested. And I do recommend the Spanish course as a way to learn Spanish. It is a fantastic method and a beautiful place as well. So, now our quick Fire, meaning of life, what I call round forty-two. This is an English literature okay. reference, so don't worry.
1: About ah, forty-two. I know ah, forty-two is from the Hitchhiker's Guide to ah, the Galaxy. you know, you know it. Oh yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, that's the best book I've ever read in English. Yes.
0: Oh, you know it. <laughs> yeah. You're the first guest that knows.
1: Yeah, no, okay, obviously well, <laughs> it's a trilogy. A trilogy in five
0: parts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Okay, so here obviously. we
0: go. The meaning of life. You're stranded on an island. Yeah. (laughs) This is my joke, by the way. That's Barbados, yeah. Yes. (laughs) What what three things do you need to survive?
1: Uh, Definitely a boat, a sail, and some rowing things (laughs) 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 to flee as soon as possible. Okay. No, yes. I don't like small places. No, <laughs> oof! What do you do? No, no, no. All right.
0: So in any case, three.
1: in any case, because you are talking about uh, obviously, it would be just two things: a towel and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. All right.
0: <laughs> That's true. I didn't think about that. Yes. <laughs> Most common misconception of Spain.
1: Most common misconception of Spain. I don't know. Uh, Well, about history. I always uh, like uh, British people telling me, oh, what about the Spanish Armada, the Spanish Armada, the Spanish Armada? And nobody knows that the following year it was the Drake Norris expedition where the Brit or the English at that time, it wasn't the British, it was the English, lost more boats and more uh, people than the Spanish in the Spanish Armada. And I recommend them to read about that. The Drake and Norris Expedition and the Treaty of London of 1604. (laughs) Just that.
0: It's a very historical answer. And I actually know because I I actually... It's part of the life in the UK test. You have to know about the Spanish Armada. That's why all the English people... (laughs) (laughs) What important truths do very few people agree with you on?
1: Well... The three things I believe, uh, um, which are individual freedom, private property, and equality before the law. Okay. Those three things, only those three things I believe in, for me, are fantastic.
0: Great. That sounds good. And then, this is a very serious question. If you were... 20% 20% braver. Oh,
1: subjunctive there.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do tomorrow? <laughs> you do pr- it
1: tomorrow. 20% braver. I must say that I... In a way, I'm a naughty, brave person. So...
0: <laughs> Are you that, saying that, you're, you're as brave as you can get?
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. No, I, I'm quite brave in a way. I mean, I usually... It led me to some problems, yes, I know. But yes, <laughs> quite brave. What I would do if I were um, braver tomorrow, I would just punch the president of the Spanish government in the face and say, get off uh, and let other people, or or just let's have some elections and get off,
0: <laughs> please. <laughs> That's, you need to be very brave to be able to do that. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> That's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you are a creator currently living abroad or want to live abroad, get in touch. Say hello on Insta at creators.abroad or head over to our website, creatorsabroad.com. You can find out more about my production studio, how I do this, my content creation consultancy, All the details are on my website. If you want to support the show, simply hit subscribe or follow, whatever you call it, and take a second to leave me a rating and review on Apple. It helps more people find the show, and it does mean a lot to me. Join me next time for more narrative journeys of creators abroad. Adios, Catarina. Muchas gracias.